0: Welcome everybody to Tap Out Talk. I'm your host, Brian, The Hype, Ballard, and I'm back calling the action on Hell in a Cell 2020. Roman Reigns started at Payback, the infamous thousand-day reign, so to speak. Started at Payback. It continued at Clash of Champions 2020 with his rise to being the acknowledgement of the Tribal Chief by Jimmy Uso. And now... Now we've got the heels of main event Jey Uso taking on Roman Reigns for that Universal Championship. Will he become the Tribal Chief or will Roman prevail? We know that story, but we're going to get a little bit of a recap and a review. This is part three of a three-part project that I've been working on. If you want to see parts one and two, Payback Clash of Champions, I'll link them up here. Without further ado, let's get in. All right, guys, and we're gonna get in with this pay-per-view on the Peacock Network. And what we have is the first off match in this case was the Universal Championship bout, which did kind of surprise me um, that the WWE went with this match right away with how emotional development that occurred with the fans. And I think we were all really into this match, going into it, so they let off with it. I guess that just means that they wanted to leave off with a bang. Now, this show tonight had three Hell in the Cell matches. I've always said that that is way too much on one pay-per-view. It doesn't make the cell feel special. But I think we're going to find out in this one that they actually told three different stories. Kind of like a beginning, a middle, and an end to a storybook of the night. So, Jey Uso enters first as the challenger, wearing his white lei around his neck with... um, Michael Cole noting that it represents family and opportunity. I thought that was kind of a neat little find. Corey Graves says that the lay also represents love that Jay has for his cousin Roman Reigns. So Roman Reigns makes his entrance into the Thunderdome of 2020. And the crowd is booing him. And at least that's, you know, the noise that's piped in by the WWE. Uh, But we did see some booing as far as on the TVs as well. Cole noted that it was uh, Roman's fourth time in a Hell in a Cell, and he's never been beaten. Interesting fact. Heyman was with Reigns as he stared at Roman, just as his tribal chief, while staring at the Universal Championship. Heyman is possessed. A clip aired from the kickoff show earlier with Heyman saying that when Jey Uso says, I quit, he will be like an indentured servant to Roman Reigns' command which means that Jay will have to do whatever Roman Reigns tells him to. So it's interesting because this matchup was actually a Hell in a Cell, I Quit match. Now, if you ask me, I don't know if this matchup needed the Hell in a Cell structure to it. There was, it was a payoff match, that is true, but this really was kind of more about the I Quit element than the Hell in a Cell element itself. But that did not ruin the match for me, but I do think that it was a little bit of wasted on the cell Because, you know, the match was good itself without it. So the match begins, and Roman's saying that he only changed because he had to do it for their family. Reigns with a shoulder tackle, followed by an uppercut punch. Reigns was wearing a golden glove on his hand, um, which is a little bit new for him. Remember what I was saying? In Clash of Champions, they're slowly, he still came out to the Shield music on this one tonight, but they slowly are, like, going to lose the Shield gear, wearing the Golden Gloves, stuff like that. So, Jay hits a boot to the face, and then there's a jumping kick to the face and an uppercut, and he knocks Reigns out of the ring. Jay, with a suicide dive, has sent Reigns back first into the cell. Back into the ring, Jay hits a clothesline to the floor with another suicide dive where he sent Reigns into the cell again Jay whips Reigns into the cell two more times they were really trying to use the cell here Jay had a good line that he doesn't um you know want to quit or anything like that but it was muted a little bit but I did hear him say some stuff um they went back into the ring with Reigns stopping on Jay's momentum with a spear Reigns then told Jay he was going to wish he had stayed home Reigns grabbed a chair and Jay hit a drop kick into the cell So they go back and forth on this one, right? Reigns actually, uh, Jay goes for a dive, but Reigns blocks it with a punch, and then Reigns hits a spear. Jay told the referee that he did not quit. Reigns told Jay that he didn't want to have to do this. Reigns charged with another spear attempt. Jay blocked it with a knee, and Jay hit a super kick. Jay went up to the top and hit an Uso splash on Roman Reigns. Jay went up top and hit another Uso splash on Roman. And just as he did that, the head of the table, Roman Reigns, never quit. Jay grabbed a leather strap from under the ring. And now we turn this into a leather strap match. So I guess that's kind of where this gets into the, you know, weapons aspect of it. And Jay hits Reigns in the back three couple times with it. And then Reigns was back up and hits a third spear of the match again. Really selling that story. Reigns got on his hands on the strap and then he hit Jay in the back a couple times of his own while telling Jay that he did the whipping around here. Reigns then continued to whip Jay with the leather strap. Reigns then tied the strap to Jay's right wrist and Roman whipped Jay into the chest as he told the referee, No, no, I'm not quitting. I'm not giving up. At this point there was a little bit of a momentum change in Reigns with the strap. Asked the referee. Uh, the referee asked Reigns if he quit. So then Reigns looked like he was about to pass out. Even though um, you know, it wasn't quite around his neck, and he had the strap kind of more around his head. Um, and then Reigns showed some life, and then Reigns looked like he was almost out again. Is this main event Jey Uso's rise to power of a tribal chiefs syndrome? And then, the referee told Jay that Roman shook his head no, and then basically went on, and then they continued on. At this point, Jay grabs a chair, and Rain stops his attack with a Superman punch. Jay slapped the guillotine choke on, and Ray is collapsing and selling the fact that he was knocked out in the guillotine choke. And then, at this point, we get the referee asking jay if he quits and reigns sat up beside his cousin and reigns said that all jay had to do was acknowledge him and say i quit to end all of this it could all go away reigns told jay not reigns told jay to quit and reigns said that he can't be held responsible for what he does if he does not quit so at this point reigns sets up jay on the apron and gave him a Drive-by drop kick that he likes to do as he runs by. So then Jay's head was up against the ring post. The referee kept asking Jay, who was not even answering it, didn't seem to be conscious. And at this point, Reigns told Jay that he was just being selfish. Reigns took off uh, the first half of the steel steps. And then he puts it against Jay's head by the ring post. And he does another drive by drop kick into the steel steps into Jay's face. The referee at this point haven't seen humanity telling Jay that he had to hear it to end the match. The referee was actually about to call the match, and he said, I have to call it. This is too much. And then, Reigns grabbed him and tossed him over the rope, For the referee, that is, over the rope, and another referee actually went into the cell to check on the current referee. That led to the WWE officials, Adam Pearce, and Pat Buck, actually, who's with AEW now, and Jamie Noble. I thought that was Pat Buck. i seen him live recently. And Jamie Noble and a couple others went into the ring. Reigns closed the door, tossed the steel steps into the ring, so the WWE officials actually ran out. It was kind of a comical moment. And then Reigns put the steel steps on top of Jay's upper body. Reigns said that he understood that when they were kids, that they would try to be better than him. But now, 35 years old, they are still trying. Still trying. Reigns said that all Jay had to do was acknowledge him, and Reigns said there's no going back when you've gone this far. Reigns held the steel steps above his head, and then Jimmy Uso enters the ring to check on his brother. And Jimmy said, this is uh, this is Josh Fool, which is Jay's real name. Um, and he's looking at Roman and he's saying, this is not real. This is what's wrong with you, Jimmy said. He goes, this is Josh. This is Josh laying here in this ring. Roman looks very emotional at this moment. And he looks very emotional. And he almost has a breakdown. Reflecting on those childhood memories. And it got to him. And then Rones is crying. A very dramatic effect here going on. And then he said he didn't know what he was doing anymore. Jimmy said, this is family. And he said, please, no more of this. Jimmy stuck out his hand. And Roman took, uh, shook it. And Roman choked out Jimmy. Crocodile tears, that is. And Roman snapped it on Jimmy. And then... He basically has been out of action with an ACL recently, so he wasn't really fit to, like, fight in this moment. And the announcers were shocked it was a fitting for Roman's full character turn. Roman held on to Jimmy in a guillotine choke. Jimmy was selling it until he basically passed out while Jay was asking for Roman to let him go. And then Jay says, I quit. And the bell rang, and we get the end of the match. Around the 29 minute, 6 second mark. And your winner, Roman Reigns and his rise to Tribal Chief status. Jimmy and Jey Uso left broken in the ring at Hell in a Cell. It's a good match. This is a very, very good opening match. And you gotta wonder, what's the match after this that has to contend with the fact that, you know, they let off with their... Best match of the, one of the best matches of the night, in my opinion, and the rise of the Roman story, the Roman Empire. After the match, we get a little further of acknowledgement, and what we get is actually Reigns holding up the Universal Title like he was saddened with the fact that um, then Jay was very saddened that he quit. The announcers made the point that Jay quit because he knew it was the only way to save his brother Jimmy. Little foreshadowing there from the clutches of Roman Reigns. And we'd find out many years, three years later, that it would be Jimmy Uso saving Jay and turning on Roman. Roman nodded at his cousins and left while Paul Heyman had a really crazy look on his face like Paul does. And then when Reigns walked up the ramp, his father, Sika, and Uncle Afa were on the stage. And Reigns hugged his father and his uncle as they put a red lay around Roman's neck. And the Usos looked on from ringside. Reigns held up universal title in the air. With his father and uncle and Heyman standing proudly. Jay and Jimmy continue to look sad up to this point in the whole ring. And the tribal chief is now recognized. I found it interesting that the lay that was put on his neck. Was actually one of the lays I believe that was Jimmy Uso it was uh, wearing to the ring and roman wanted that just to kind of symbolize everything but he was now recognized as the tribal chief formally and this closes out the trilogy story of the rise of roman roman reigns it started at SummerSlam with his return his winning the universal title at payback his clash of champions brawl with mate with um, jimmy and jay with jay uso and then the final capitalization in hell in a cell and i don't think the match again needed the hell in a cell moment i think an i quit match with a no dq option was totally fine but at the end of the day it's the same result and we got the rise of roman up next we had um the match that had to follow that match unfortunately it was elias versus jeff hardy and this was a really quick match elias was in control early on with punches but then jeff hit a snap mirror leading to a neck snap Jeff slapped with an arm bar, then Elias got up, ran around for a bit, and sent Jeff to the floor. Elias went out to the floor, but Jeff was sent him out to the barricade, back into the ring, and then Jeff hit a sliding drop kick. Jeff went for an attack on the floor, but Elias moved and sent Jeff into the barricade. Jeff got back into the ring right before the 10 count. Elias worked over with Jeff with a whole bunch of punches, Got you know, running clothesline for a two count. Elias grabbed a headlock, Jeff hit a spinning back kick, and both guys were down. Jeff clap to get the crowd, you know, really going in rhythm. He's trying to get them into it. Of course, then again, it's not a live crowd. It's the Thunderdome. But anyway, they, you know, they seem to respond. At this point, Jeff hit a running forearm. Jeff hit the atomic drop, a double leg drop, and a splash for a two count. Elias hits came back with a move where he had Jeff on his shoulders and hit a power bomb for a one and a two. At this point, Jeff with a back elbow, and then Jeff went up for the whisper of the wind. And he got a one and a two. Jeff hit the twist of fate neckbreaker. Jeff went up top to the apron. Hardy turned his body by going to the top ring post. Jeff actually left the ring. And Elias grabbed the guitar at this point. But Jeff kicked him in the gut to stop him. Jeff actually grabs the guitar himself. And he hit Elias in the back for a disqualification finish by the referee who was standing right there watching. And at this point, Elias actually gets the win over Jeff Hardy. At the 7 minute, 55 second mark. Winner, Jeff Hardy, no. Winner is Elias at disqualification. Um, You know, not the best match in the world. This was a Monday Night Raw type match, right? Unfortunately, I did have to follow the Usos uh, in the Roman Reigns match with the Hell in the Cell. So, I do kind of, you know, give them a little credit for that. Having to follow such a match and being a cool down match. Both guys didn't do anything necessarily wrong. um, But it was quick, effective and gone. Up next, we get the Money in the Briefcase on the line, and we get a people's court called Lawl and Otis, with JBL as the judge looking shocked. And we had a whole bit where Otis was in court defending his Money in the Bank briefcase against the Miz and Morrison, so Otis and Tucker, in a segment they reshowed from SmackDown, um, which was kind of entertaining, comical, but yet, okay. You know, it never really drew me in. But ultimately... That leads into the matchup that with the Money in the Bank briefcase on the line. Otis defending against The Miz. And, you know, I like when the WWE, you know, I remember when Otis won this Money in the Bank match. And I said, are the WWE really viewing him as a main eventer? Well, that's not the case. And I think they slowly realized that. And they said, we got to get this case off of him. And how do we do it? So this is how it was done. This match, Otis was defending, of course, against the Miz. And then he basically goes in. They have a back and forth matchup. Uh, Miz avoids some slams. Otis sends Miz to the apron. Miz tries a pen attempt. Otis is stood on his chest. Uh, Miz sent Otis out of the ring. Otis avoids an attack. So they just kind of go back and forth a little bit. I want to fast forward some of this. Um, so at this point, you know, Otis is just kind of doing his typical thing. Um, Morrison does kind of get interfered a little bit in the matchup, but quickly gets caught. But at this point, the referee catches him and she sends Morrison to the bat. Otis then um, gets a roll up on the Miz for a two count. Otis with a spinning clothesline for a 1 and a 2. Miz sent Otis into the ropes while grabbing the apron, so the referee had to put the apron back into a proper place. I don't know why. But Tucker hits Otis at this point. That's right, Tucker, his partner, hits Otis with the briefcase. Very much to the Miz's shocking appeal. And then there's a heel turn by Tucker, or Tucky. And Miz covers Otis for the pin at the 7 minute and 25 second mark. Becoming a two time Money in the Bank contract winner. So the Miz is holding the Money in the Bank briefcase. And here's a contract for the second time again in his career. The last time he held, uh, I want to say it was like around 2010. But post match Miz is celebrating with the briefcase. Miz definitely sold it the right way. And we're all still confused by Tucker's action. We wouldn't have to wait long for that answer, though. Kayla Braxton's on it, in backstage, interviewing Miz and Morrison. And then Miz basically says that he's going to end up becoming world champion. Miz says he's cashed in before, and he'll do it again successfully. Tucker then shows up. They tried to congratulate him, but he wasn't feeling it. And Tucker told Miz this isn't about him. Tucker said they were supposed to be a team, and he carried the load for years. But Otis it, put himself first. And he said everybody wanted to see Otis's worm in the worm. And he goes, it was actually Tucky that set him up and gave him the courage to ask out Mandy Rose in that whole bit storyline. So we do get an explanation. And we feel like we're gonna get like just a breakup of this group in a feud, but you know, it's not really that memorable from my knowledge. Um, I can't even honestly tell you guys how it did ultimately end between those two. So again, another match that just seemed to be in between Hell in a Cell matches. And that's you're going to see that theme a lot tonight, where there was really good Hell in a Cell matches, and then there was just some time they were burning in between. And I get that. Hey, speaking of time to burn, if you guys uh, you know, do have some time, you know, just go ahead and you can follow me on Twitter. I appreciate each and every one of you guys. Check us out on the fansofprowrestling.com too with my teammates over there. Uh, we're doing some really great work, but go ahead and hit the like button. It helps me out. So, let's get into the second Hell in the Cell match of the night. WWE Women's Champion, Sa- Sasha Banks versus Bayley, the Women's Champion. So, this matchup, Sasha's made her entrance with uh, Michael Cole. Again, noting this is her third Women's Hell in the Cell match. And Sasha has been in, or the third Women's Hell in the Cell match ever. And Sasha's been in all of them. Bayley was then up next. And then the women's champion Bailey bringing in a steel chair that was significant to the storyline and it had a bit of a different look um, as far as Bailey had an X on the chair. So she actually gets into the ring and then uh, they kind of go at it immediately into this matchup. Now, this was a Hell in a Cell matchup between these two where the ladies um, were very aggressively working early and they got a head scissors, a bank statement and a Bailey's... um, bit sasha's hand at one point to break a hole bailey went to the floor banks tried to attack bailey moved and bailey uh drove banks back first into the red seal um red hell a cell steel two times in a row bailey attacked with a kendo stick and then we get another setup where bailey kind of makes a kendo stick type bridge between the cell and the apron using some duct tape and the kendo sticks that was interesting um at this point you know, they fight some more, with Banks jamming the table, they get some tables involved and there's some rib shots there. At this point, um, Bailey's back first into the cell. And then Banks with a meteor or and a double cell. Or excuse me, a meteor or a double knees to this in the cell. And then back in the ring, they eventually get. Banks hits the meteor or a double knees off the top for a one and a two. That was basically a unique spot kind of throughout this match with lots of weapons. So a lot of weapons, a lot of steel chairs, uh, kendo sticks, all kinds of stuff. Oh, my, oh, my. But basically, we do get a pretty aggressive female uh, Hell in a Cell match. So two kendo sticks were set up, again, between the steps um, at this point. But I want to fast forward in the match where eventually we go on back and forth, faster and faster. And then kind of setting up later in the match, Bailey grabbed, um, Bailey basically... At this point gets the steel chair that she brought into the ring uses it against Sasha but then it gets brought into you know using it also in the cage area banks whips Bailey into the cell again there's a double knees into the face and banks has tossed Bailey in the ring as banks brought in a kendo stick right back into the ring again and banks hits Bailey in the back about you know, I'd say about 15 times with a kendo stick banks trash talked during the attack saying Bailey was not a role model or a champion. Bailey crawled to the steel chair and used uh, when she turned on Banks. And then that led to Banks stomping on Bailey. Jumped off with a frog splash, and Bailey got the chair up and blocked him. At this point, you know, definitely getting a little wary. So they left the ring. Bailey got a hold of Banks and slammed her face first onto the floor. It was Bailey's newer finisher that um, was still, I can't remember the name of it. Um, But it was like a reverse leg sweep that was uh, eventually put Banks down. So at this point, uh, Bailey puts a ladder across two seated chairs in the ring. Banks was back in the ring, and Bailey sent her first into the ladder. Bailey laid out Banks across the ladder. Bailey grabs some spray paint and spray paint an X on the back of Banks' body, just like it was on her chair. Bailey jumped off the middle row with the chair that had the X on it, But Banks moved and Bailey hit the ladder. Banks then double knee attack to the turnbuckle with a belly-to-belly slam onto the ladder for a one and a two. That was Bailey's old finisher, the Bailey-to-belly, I believe it was called. And Bailey managed to come back with a running knee and then a Bailey-to-belly for a suplex for a one and a two. At that point, it was Bailey's old finisher again and Banks kicked out. Bailey with two chair shots to the back of Banks and there was a trip uh, there was a trip by banks but then she grabbed the chair and slapped the bank statement on with a chair and bailey tapped out and sasha banks is your new women's champion at the 26 second 33 or 26 minute 33 second mark winner by pinfall and new champion sasha celebrating the ring she holds up women's, and Michael Cole says she just ended a 380 day title reign of Bailey. Banks stood over Bailey with the title, looking dominant. And, you know, this was a good match. I felt like, out of a lot of the matches tonight, this one used the Hell in a Cell structure more. And the Hell in a Cell was used more to contain the violence in this match. I guess they didn't want all the money they spent on the Thunderdorm and the TVs to be broken, so... You know, that was a good way to keep all the weapons and all the everything contained in the match. And I don't actually hate that for this one. <laughs> uh, I would say mostly because of the fact that you're in a pandemic time. You're dealing with no crowds. So the last thing you want to do is a match like this that would normally spill into the crowd to actually happen in a pandemic era where there's a thunderdome and you're trying to figure your way out as the wd w was doing so i gotta say this was a good matchup put on by both of these ladies and um i would say definitely it was you know one of the best three matches of the night so let's go out for ado. let's go on to our next match which was not the best match of the night by far this was more like a segment Bobby Lashley was backstage. The Hurt Business was back there with him. Charlie Caruso showed up for the interview. And she asked Bobby Lashley which member of uh, Retribution is going to basically get a title shot tonight. And Bobby Lashley, they chose Slapjack. Slapjack wears a weird Jason Voorhees type deformed hockey mask. Uh, Retribution was a group of... I would say it was like a modern-day oddities type group. Where they would just... You know, we were more like kind of freakish than they were supposed to be like, you know, uh, cult and taking over the whole world type thing. So, ultimately, this match kind of goes on. And I'll be honest with you guys, it goes so quick. Lashley uh, sends Slapjack into the turnbuckle. Slapjack gets some offense for a little bit, but... And sending him uh, Lashley into the turnbuckle, followed by a cannonball for a two count. But it really doesn't last too much long. Slapjack's eventually bounced off the ropes, leading to a huge spine buster by Lashley. And Lashley hits the Hurt Lock, as it's now called. Submission on Slapjack at the 3 minute and 50 second mark. Uh, the bell rang to end the match, and that led T-Bar, who's another member of Retribution, and Mace... Hitting the ring, Lashley fought them off for a while, but Mustafa Ali wanted his guys to take him out. The Hurt Business members went into the ring to stand beside Lashley as Retribution retreated. Not much to tell here. Quick segment, quick match for the dominant Palby Lashley. And now, WWE proudly presents the WWE Championship match, Hell in a Cell. Final encounter... Drew McIntyre, the champion, defending against his greatest rival of his all time, Randy Orton. This was a payback or a payoff match for this feud with the WWE Championship. Clash of the Champions last month before this actually had them in an ambulance match where all kinds of legends got involved, like Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair, etc. So this one was meant. And the Hell made sense for this one to keep all the interference out. So I actually felt like this was the one Hell in a Cell match night where the Hell in a Cell actually did make sense to have it in. And these guys put on a heck of a match. I'm not even going to lie. This uh, video package here for Drew and his title defense of Randy it kind of breaks down all of SummerSlam and Clash of Champions. But Drew enters the ring first. And then Drew stares at the Hell in a Cell before he enters the cell. And then Randy... Uh, was disguised as a cameraman, and then he tries to attack McIntyre before he was ready. They bawled outside the ring, and you can tell this one's going to be, you know, very, very high intensity. Orton always brings it. Orton cleared off the table, but McIntyre blocked him and attempted and punched uh, Randy down. McIntyre managed to get Orton inside the cell, so that then led to the bell ringing, which then officially began this contest. They looked at the cell structure surrounding them. McIntyre sent Orton out of the ring, pressed his face up against the ring. Back in the ring, the McIntyre gets a two count. Orton was still wearing uh, pants that were part of his disguise, so McIntyre drove Orton back first into the cell and ring post. McIntyre hits Orton in the back of the steel chair, followed by Drew sending Randy back first into the hell in the cell. McIntyre hits Orton with the steel steps and McIntyre launches the steps but Orton moved out um, moved and the steps hit the cell. When they get back into the ring Orton avoids McIntyre and then there's a chair shot to the knee a lot of working of that and a chair shot to the back so lots of again weapons being introduced now. Orton went after the fractured jaw of McIntyre by driving the steel chair into his jaw. Orton finally removed the steps where he wore Um, As part of the disguise so basically before the match and then Orton was in his regular wrestling gear at this point Orton then with a slingshot sent McIntyre Throat first into the bottom rope. So we get some back-and-forth action in the ring And then it spills out into the outside of the cell and these guys are utilizing the cell structure to contain all the chaos right and so at this point Um, We get back into the ring McIntyre hits an overhead belly-to-belly suplex across the ring leading into a neckbreaker from McIntyre as the fans in the Thunderdome were just going crazy McIntyre lifted Orton up and Orton with elbows to break free and back out of the ring with Orton sending McIntyre into the cell McIntyre hits a belly-to-belly suplex in the table against the cell which Orton set up earlier and there was a this is awesome chance that we're obviously piped into the crowd noise but that's fine because you know we're in the thunder dome era but at this point um they go further and then there's a orton uh draping uh, ddt for a one count orton was frustrated that he only got a one count he grabs some bolt cutters and he cuts the lock on the cell door and orton walks out of the cell and up the ramp McIntyre went after Orton on the ramp sending him into the barricade and then Orton whipped McIntyre into the cell And the referee told Orton that the match had to end in the cell it has to end in the cell So Orton climbed up to the top of the cell Which is about 20 feet above the ground and you're getting some Undertaker Mankind vibes here McIntyre stared up at Orton and then Drew climbs up right up after him and McIntyre met Orton at the top of the cell as the WWE did some really good angles of the camera showing that. And that structure is actually a lot taller than the Mankind Undertaker structure that was many years ago. But ultimately, McIntyre tackles Orton punches him repeatedly. McIntyre let out Yelso Orton hit him with a low blow and a steel pipe. McIntyre climbed down the side of the cell to the announcer table. So... Uh, basically, they were standing side by side on the middle of the beam of the top of the cell, and it's about eh, 10, 12 feet high in the air. Orton punched McIntyre off the cell, and Drew went through the announcer pay- table. And it's like what we've seen before, but it's still impressive for a big guy like Drew McIntyre to take a, you know, a huge bump. McIntyre was bleeding from the mouth, and that had to sell the idea that he had internal damage. There's a classic wrestling, you know, uh, thing going on there. Um, there was. You know basically at this point then the referee of the match stayed in the ring for the majority of this because again the pinfall submission had to be in there McIntyre again feeling the effects of being thrown off the top but Orton comes down and then they're still selling the bump in the big way Orton, um, at this point, they get in the ring. Orton smacks the man to set up for the RKO while McIntyre struggled to get back to his feet by using the ropes. McIntyre countered an RKO attempt, leading to the backslide for a one and a two. McIntyre hits a Claymore, kick to the face and led Orton rolling out of the ring. So Drew was unable to cover Randy after hitting the finisher. Or, or McIntyre is in grabbing his ribs to try to sell his injuries that are happening. McIntyre sets up Orton In the ring. McIntyre sets up in the corner. Orton slowly got back up and McIntyre charged and Orton ducked and Orton ducked and Orton popped up for the RKO for the pinfall at one, two, and three at the 30 minute and 35 second mark. Randy Orton is your new WWE champion ending a very long streak by Drew McIntyre in the pandemic era. Drew McIntyre at this point was one of the most protected champions in the pandemic era. And I actually will say that Drew was a good WWE champion that held the company pretty high in a tough time. Randy Orton is now, as noted, a 14-time WWE champion, which ties his mentor Triple H. While John Cena and Ric Flair both have 16 wins apiece. Orton was on the ramp He stared at the WWE Championship that was in his hands, and Orton has the most evil smirk on his face. McIntyre looked from the inside of the ring. There were boos, and the camera focused on Orton again as the show faded out. It's a good solid matchup by the WWE. Proper use of the Hell in a Cell to keep all the craziness inside. And again, I like the use of the Hell in a Cell in this one because this does make sense. We had so much interference in the Clash of Champions ambulance match that this actually did make sense to have Hell in a Cell to keep that chaos out and keep these guys contained, even though the Cell didn't contain them. So I thought both men are professionals. They did a great job in a main event. I did question why Roman and Jay were not in the main event, but you know that's me thinking in terms of modern era, knowing what we know about the Bloodline storyline now. So that you know kind of made me say, okay, that makes sense that That match was first at the time because they weren't at the head of the table, so to speak, yet. And so, this WWE Championship was right on par being the main event. But let's, you know, talk about the overall show and our final thoughts. So, let's get in. Our final thoughts of the show. So the show was basically all about three Hell in the Cell matches. And that's, you know, the name of the pay-per-view. But I always hated these gimmick pay-per-views. And how you know that it had to have a Hell in the Cell match on it. Because that was coming up in six months. But, you know, I would say all three Hell in the Cell matches were the focus. And, you know, all of them, I believe, went, you know, close to around the 25-minute mark. The three non-Hell in a Cell matches all were seven minutes or less and that's something that wwe just kind of said hey we want to focus on the beginning hell in a cell match the middle one and the end and it was a very risky part but they told three different stories in these matches the opening match with roman and jay actually gave us a synopsis of a very dramatic storytelling uh, where roman did some good acting and you could feel the heart of the family breaking As Roman is looking to rise to the top. In the middle of the second Hell in a Cell match. We got a really good um, overall weapons match. With the ladies that was meant to contain a lot of that weapons. Not spilling to the crowd. So there was a nice trick done by the WWE. And then the main event Hell in a Cell match. Was meant to keep people out like I mentioned. And that really was the um, main event match of the evening. Despite I personally think the Roman Reigns match with Jay Uso was really, really good and probably my favorite match of the night because it was the purpose of me wanting to watch this show. Um, and it reminded me a lot of their Clash of Champions match, but a slower pace. Jay refusing to give up, and Jimmy Uso getting involved for the finish. Um, this time it made Jay say, I quit, and now he has to work for his cousin Roman as the Tribal Chief. So, it was really good. And then, again, Tribal Chief Roman... Um, is, you know, we'd go on to just run the, the Uso's life for the next three years. So, you know, that was an interesting dynamic to see unfold. And that started all with this trilogy of payback, Clash of Champions, and Hell in the Cell. And I got to give the WWE credit. They did some good storytelling. Fast forwarded to three years later, when we just now seen the crumbling of the bloodline. Well, guys, that's everything I got for you. I hope you've enjoyed this series of The Rise of Roman. And just remember, it's not goodbye, it's not see you later, it's game over.